All right. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Kane. I am here with Chelsea on the beach, apparently. What's up, Chelsea? <laughs> hey, you know, just waiting for my uh, pineapple coconut oh. pina colada. Is that you what know, it is? In a- Mm-hmm. That, looks, that looks like a, almost a blue solo cup. So is that what they serve in Tulum um, now? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, and it's clear. Um, oh. You know, with ice and water. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chelsea's actually coming to us from the deep south, right? That would be where Mississippi yeah. technically is. Yeah. You're 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 in a part of the south the, where the south, the south, not North Florida south with an F. Yeah, this we've like you you you're from the part of the south where like they'll have a Confederate flag on their door and you just drive past it, right? Like you're just like, Oh, okay, I see I see what they're about and you just kinda keep it moving. It is I've you know what Florida has conservatives, sure. And there's conservative areas, but this is like it is out there in your face and there's because everybody like their neighbors are like that too. Um, it's not like people are scared to show that, you know, it's, it's they're all about rights, Christianity and grits. So it's, well, let me know, you put some respect on some grits. Now we're not going to just, we're not going okay, dis- to, we're not going to disrespect say, grits say, now. Okay. I will say I, I, I learned to love some grits out here, yeah. shrimp and grits. Um, that was new to me. Uh, yeah. I will say I'll, I'll probably take that back. Other okay. than that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't, I listen, I'm not here for the rest of it, but we're not going to come on <laughs> the unofficial therapy podcast and disrespect grits. That's not what we finna do. Cause I grew up on grits and grits and eggs with maybe some sausage and maybe some bacon and catfish on good days. That's where I grew up. So I'm here. That was, this, that, was totally, that was totally new to me because you know Hispanics don't have that. We don't. We don't have grits. We don't have. I mean, catfish. It's not. It's not part of our culture. So uh, a lot of that, yeah, very, very strange to me. Like I, I go places and they have what is it, deep fried steak or something like pork chops or something. Everything. Way to kill it, guys! Like, let's Listen. deep fry the pork chop <laughs> it's so good it's so hard. gravy on it it's bad every part of it is bad for you that's the thing the pork is bad the breading is bad the fry is bad the only thing that's not bad is the taste which is amazing <laughs> it's like, like this is so bad <laughs> i should be eating this <laughs> you just keep eating you know your arteries are clogging you feel it happening and you don't stop because it's mm-hmm. awesome yeah i'm yeah. here for it <laughs> So that's the one thing I will say the South has gotten right. Like you mentioned a lot of uh, red flags about the South, which we'll get into in a second. But let's, you always start with something positive before you go to the negative. Let's big up the breakfast in the South because the amount of work they put into biscuits and gravies and eggs and just cheese is flying. All in this butter on, it's butter in your coffee. I'm like, this is the best coffee I ever had. That's butter coffee for you. I was like, oh, is that what that is? I appreciate what you did. Thank you. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Breakfast is good. I've had some some pretty good food. I've had the Southern hospitality thing is is a real thing. People are like, it's funny. So um, uh, I'll like, so my boyfriend's from the South too. He's from Houston. Whatever. And like, let's say we'll go on like a walk through like a trail or something like that, some nature trail. And everyone walking past us will say, hey, hi, how you doing? Good morning. And I'm like, why is everybody saying hi? And he's like, Chelsea, there's just 
hospitality. I'm like, we don't do that in Miami. We don't do that in Miami. Right. Stop looking at me. Right. I have like, what, what do you want? Like, why are you being so nice? Are you trying to take my wallet? Like, what is this? So when, so it's stuff like that. It's just, it's, you know, it's nice. But then some other moments I have to like remind myself, like, this is just how they are. Like people are going to offer you help. People are, you know, going to offer you like I, when I'm, working and stuff like that there's always somebody's like oh you need, you need a bottle of water oh bless your heart okay and like okay well you have a good day and all this other stuff so it, it's it's nice it gets a little weird it gets a little creepy we don't do that on the other side of the state of the country but it's not a bad thing at the end of the day it's a little ironic that southern hospitality comes in a lot of states that are still very outwardly racist isn't that like a weird like just like juxtaposition between those two it's like we're hospitable to everybody but we also hate this group of people <laughs> at the same time like it's a isn't like when you said it, i was like yeah they are because i mean i'm, I'm from I think, south but it's it's a thing for sure i think um so and i don't i can't speak for all the states but i will say mississippi they're I think the reputation or a lot of the stereotypes, like I'll be honest, before I came here, I thought like the KKK was going to be riding on a horse, <laughs> like down the street. Like I really had misconceptions and right. they're, first of all, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Jackson, the blackest city in like the entire state. I mean, the mayor's black, the police chief is black. It is very black. Um, not to mention that Mississippi is uh, has the highest black population in in the country. Um, I think it's like thirty percent or something like that of people here are black or something like that. Um, so, like, and when you see them, and like, there are spaces that sure, like, they there's a lot of historical context, like sure. uh, you know, sunset towns and di different things like that, and like uh, plantations and whatever. Um, but for the most part, I think that people are nice. I think the Southern hospitality sometimes is just passive aggressive behavior in some instances, but I think honestly, generally, I think people do get along. Like they find, I think they, they find the, um, religion as a common denominator. Uh, you know, oh, we're all, it's the, it's the Bible Belt. You know, everybody's like, oh, you know, they go to church together, they, they raise their kids together, they go to school together. And um, I think it's like, sometimes it's not so much like, I don't know, like I haven't had anybody just straight up come to me with the N-word, yeah, you know, like and then, nothing that I really, really almost expected is not, is it's not like that. Like people are actually pretty nice to each other, but there are, some things that are systemic that are in, around that keeps people down. Um, there's some people who are just prejudiced, not even ma mainly like full on, like, ah, hang them. But like, they do have their preconceived notions of, of each other really. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I will say it's, it's safe to come out here. <laughs> it's safe. <laughs> it is safe. Michelle was trying to lure me to the trap. I have a lot of friends that are like, oh girl, when are you going to get out of the, out of those car fields and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you'd be surprised. Like there's a lot of, it, people are kind. It's just, um, they have a lot of work to get that PR 
changed to where the rest of the world, the country will see that they're, it's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, the, listen, the PR thing takes a long time. You can, it, it can, this is multiple generations worth of stereotypes. So like, we're still, there's still Japanese people dealing with the stereotypes from 1941. So there's, you know, that's two mm -hmm. lifetimes basically. But this is from growing up in Florida and I'm from like North Florida. So I'm closer to all of this smoke, I guess. I know you're a Miami girl, but whatever. Um, <laughs> in North Florida, you see a little bit more of it. I think people are generally nice. I think people do want to do right because one, that's biblical to do unto others, treat your neighbor, have whatever. I do think there's a lot of those feelings that are just under the surface. And so you don't, so they can be, hey, Chelsea, have a good day now. And then when they're at the house, that's when whatever, because that gets spread down to your kids. And that's when, so you can, I'm only saying this based on just historical evidence, because if kids are coming out at 14, 15 with the same views, they're not learning that like in school, you know what I'm saying? Like, but that's not, the schools don't teach that. They're obviously around other students of different races and genders and that kind of thing. So they're getting that from somewhere. It's, and church doesn't teach hate for Jews or hate for blacks. That's not a, a biblical thing. So where are they getting it from? They get it from TV and they get it from home and from their support groups. So it's, hey, be, if you see a color or whatever, be nice to them. Don't, that chasing you down the street in a pickup truck with a confederate that's like we're past that we're, we're we're not we're not outwardly racist anymore i think that's being outlawed for real but just because the law says you can't do this i don't think that means that people stop feeling that way and so now the younger generation because we are on social media because we have sex with each other which is a real thing i think some of the younger kids are like i don't get racism because like you're a jewish kid with like an african girlfriend and your kid is mixed <laughs> so you're like, I don't understand what the, where's the problem? And it's, so it's happening slowly because the younger generations definitely are less than the previous generation, but they have some of that coming into their adulthood and then they go to college, they go abroad or what have you. And that's when they start learning about the world and they realize, well, I don't hate someone because they're Italian, even though growing up, I was, they were X, Y, Z. So yeah. I don't think you're going to be chased down anytime soon. I don't think they're going to like throw a banana at you. <laughs> I think you're okay. <laughs> but yeah. I, I will say um, there, I guess there's been a couple things that are kind of like symbols of hope. For example, the big deal with the state flag, the state flag had a Confederate emblem yeah. last year. They changed it to a whole different design. And I mean, there's a lot of pressure that was put on the like the legislators here. Um, I mean, we had like some of these SEC schools that were like, well, if you guys don't change it, we're not playing any games here. That's, with that's what happened. That was that was that, that, yeah, that SEC stepped in. Said, we will move that game that to money. Nashville like that. You do keep messing around yeah. if you want to. And they said, yeah. we'll, we'll take it down. We'll take it down. That's millions. But I, I think, right. And I think that, and then when they, vote and stuff it was like I mean a lot of people were just like behind this design and that they and also there's also the proposition 65 I believe or initiative 65 of bringing medical marijuana to the state which are very notably like progressive things sure. um so I think it's like it's, it's little things like that where it's like I mean maybe people are kind of rounding off to do something different I think the flag was just a big deal like it obviously this that doesn't 
get all the the Joe Schmoes that are you know ah black people, but it, it kind of like I say, it kind of just I don't know changes perspective. Who knows what that means for the for the children that now don't even know what it's like to be in a state that had the former Confederate flag uh, or Confederate emblem on their flag. Well, we'll see. Well, look, flags are symbolism. That's that's what it is. That's why I like. We are so attached to our flag because our flag is attached to our independence and our resiliency as a country and whatever, right? So that's why anytime someone says anything about the American flag, it's like a mutiny against them. It's like, we're not going to do that to our flag, even though a lot of people don't even know our American history. There are a ton of people in the South who don't know what the Confederate flag means. They just have always seen it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's just our flag. That's They just say that's Southern pride. And they just move forward with that. They don't know the history. They don't care to know the history. They just kind of move forward. And so then having it taken down, it's just maybe initially there's some resistance to people who like are 60 and above who, you know, have known all about this stuff. And now they're like, they're trying to change our history, whatever, whatever. But if you're 20 years old, you probably didn't know that much about it anyway. And then by the time you're 30, 35, the flag is just going to look like what the flag looks like. You're not going to be like, remember the good old days when the Confederate thing is it's not going to be that like nostalgia is going to just be, that's just what the flag is. And then every generation after that, will just know it's like kids now with the internet or with iPhones. Like when I was a kid, there was no smartphone. I actually had the little, I didn't get a phone until I was in almost college, but whatever. My first phone was a flip phone. Don't judge me. And I thought a flip phone was everything. Just like, put that boy in your pocket, it's it a winner. And then like, I think my sophomore, freshman year or whatever, then the first iPhone came out. I didn't get an iPhone until like the iPhone six. So I missed the whole first handful of generations. But now if you're 15, 16, you've only known a world with iPhones. So it's not weird. Who the iPhone 12? You're like, cool, next iPhone, let's keep it moving. You don't even think about a world where you couldn't have the internet on your phone or your camera didn't adjust to lighting and doing all this stuff it's just what you know and so mm-hmm. I, I think that's the symbolism part i usually don't care about symbolism i've mentioned that in the five before but in that situation if you want to change the pr of a state you start small and then it grows from there i think yeah i and that's what that's why i say that like like i said when i talk i i mean and what i do all i do is talk to people i'm in all these i'm in the the bigger cities i'm in these like towns of five thousand uh, people residents where it's like oh you know this we have one gas station one grocery store i i go around this state all the time and like from meeting people there's a lot of people that's like they want to go forward and and make things better but they don't know how or they stick to old ways of doing things or um and then you have others are like super radicals that they really are like we got to bring in all these these things and it's it scares people i think that's what it is a lot of it it's it's fear like if you want to put racism and all that kind of thing those things aside there's a lot of fear in change and uh you know trying something new and all that stuff and i think that's what a lot of times hurts this this just i don't know about the south in general but definitely mississippi um that's the thing just people are just so scared to to try something different um yeah, I think we've. But there's grits. <laughs> we've we, we've mentioned this before. I don't know who the guest was, but aversion to change is, I think, the biggest issue for a lot of people. Because I always go back to childhood education. I don't mean like one to five. I mean like from five to like twelve. I think that's the most 
not overlooked, but it's not nearly harped on enough because my background is in mental health. And I think the mental health, a lot of the issues stem from those early developmental years when you first, when you leave the household and get around other kids. So I say five is like kindergarten, basically. When you're now around other kids, you're not around your house all the time. You have four to eight hours around other kids, maybe you pick up an activity like soccer or a little t-ball, what have you. And that's when kids learn about winning and losing. That's when they learn about people who look different than them. That's when they learn about kids being smarter than them or somebody being taller than them or someone being like different hair color. And they're like, what's all this new world? And it's just, oh yeah, you got it. And they just kind of push forward. And those are the times when you learn the lessons of failure, of learning yourself, dealing with crises, um, your own emotions, learning that it's okay to cry, getting in touch with your emotions, that whole thing. I think when you're kids, we put such a premium on learning and such a premium on being right that they're almost discouraged as kids to fail, which is a necessary component to any growth and any kind of humanity going forward. Because if you, and I always used to, the example of being in class, hey guys, what's four plus four or four times four? And one kid raised a hand, eight. Oh no, sorry, it's 16. And then the class starts laughing. And then that kid is just like, oh, instead of being like, oh, okay, yeah, because there's four groups of four, I'll be better next time. It's I'm not raising my hand next time because I don't want to be wrong and I don't want to get laughed at by the other students. So I'm just going to like retreat into my bubble. And if I don't, if I'm not like unequivocally right, not even going to try it. And that's what leads people to just be safe. They just take the safe route in every approach, but you don't really grow, obviously. And you don't make any tremendous gains by not stepping outside your comfort zone. It's just the nature of the beast. And so then you become a 30 year old accountant who's just like, yeah, I mean, numbers seem kind of safe, but now you're completely unfulfilled in your life because you never, maybe you really wanted to be like an engineer, work for Lockheed or something, but you didn't want to like go into the entrance exams and have to compete with all those high level people. You just kind of just you put yourself in a small yeah. bubble. So when you said the change thing, yeah, I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing holding people back. The, I was born this way or I'm from this area. This is how my family is. And so this is how I'm going to live. And I think that's why we're so like progressive thought shouldn't be a wild concept. It shouldn't be political. Progressive thought just means being open to new things and trying new stuff. Progressives don't always work. In fact, a lot of this new progressive stuff doesn't work, but you got to try it to know that it doesn't work. Yeah, that's, that's, that goes for anything for yourselves and stuff like that. And um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> i'm just sitting here thinking yeah. like that applies to just that applies to everything whether you're yeah. you know like like uh like our, i mean just us like we we what, we met south florida right yeah. and it's now we're totally different parts of the country and and yeah. i don't know about you i'm probably gonna move again and after that i'll probably move again until finally i find something i'm like you know what let's stay here and build something here and whatever um but i feel like there's for we do that but a lot of people that's very scary sure. um to try something like to, to move to to say oh you know i'm just gonna go and not know anybody when you get there or, or changing careers or oh, do I date this person? And then like, do you, all those different things. It's like, it, it's not so easy for one to um, like go ahead and just do it. It's definitely a leap of faith. And I don't know how your family reacted to you 
leaving. We're going to get into your career soon. We were supposed to start with that, but as I told you in the pre-show meeting, it never goes that way. <laughs> like, I don't, so I don't know how your family reacted to it. My family, when I said, when I left from Orlando to Miami, was already kind of like, a, what are you going to Miami for? We don't have people down there. And then from Miami to LA was like, you're going to be so far from the family. You don't know anyone out there. It's so expensive. Like, it was a lot of that kind of stuff. And I knew that, and it wasn't, I, I can Google map LA to Miami, but it was, I needed to challenge myself to get to wherever level I thought I should be at. And because my own personal standards are really high, I was like, well, I can be in Miami and be really successful and be very comfortable. But then at some point I'll be, you know, 40 looking back, like, man, what if I had taken that chance in LA? Now LA may eventually fail. So far LA has been great to me. Not always. Oh, it was a rough one at first. Let me tell you. Oh, it was, <laughs> it was rough at first. And I was like, man, I may have made a mistake. And then as I've been here longer, it's forced me to grow because you have to grow to adapt in a, in a state, in a city as big as what this is. You have to grow because everyone around you is also trying to level up. So if you don't level up, you legit get left behind. And it can happen in a month or two where you feel like, oh, I'm doing okay. And then you look up, it's like, hey, what? what happened? And if it's really just about reflection, uh, I advise people to find a mentor. If you're in a new space, if you're in a new career, find someone that can feed you because you'll make a lot more mistakes without some kind of guidance. I still make mistakes, but I do have people who are like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. And I was like, uh, thank you for your insight because I was definitely about to make a mistake. It's like, I'm about to move again. And it's like, maybe you should think about the moving costs. I'm like, oh yeah, that's first, last, security. Then, then I was like, okay, because like, you want to live a more comfortable life. And it's like, why don't you just stay in this discomfort for a little bit longer until you can really yeah. do what you want to do? Don't just do it because you can. This, is that overall the right place to be? And yeah, it's it's been, this has been a struggle with the fam. They definitely want me back in Florida. They've been, they've been sending me subliminals. Would well, be nice if you was here for your niece, <laughs> for, 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 your, for your nephew's birthday. He, he was asking about you. I'm like, well, <laughs> I'll see him soon, I guess. So there's planes, trains, and automobiles. You know, I, my family was a little different. Um, so my, my mom, she's now in her uh, final year of her medical residency, internal medicine in Puerto Rico. Uh, we're not Puerto Rican. She just got an opportunity to to keep going in her um her journey for med school out there. And my brother at the time, he was starting high school. He wanted to be in a baseball academy. It just kind of like, well, you want to do that? There's a school there. I have to do this, and that's where they went. Uh, same thing. I, I mean, I always tell people, oh, I'm from Miami, blah blah. I'm really not. I'm actually of South Florida, yeah. But we moved around there too. Um, but I was born in Toronto. My mom's Cuban. Like we are always moving or going somewhere because of an opportunity, because of whatever we have. We just have to do at that time. Same reason why I ended up in Mississippi uh, to to take on my TV job. So me coming here, the bummer has been that is the airport sucks. <laughs> like it's not the airport. So getting out of here is has been a lot harder than I expected it to be. I guess I was so spoiled with Fort Lauderdale Airport, Miami Airport, Orlando. Like we can, 
I could yeah. get out anywhere, anytime. Yeah. And then when my, my mom being in Puerto Rico, she would come Friday night, leave Sunday morning, nothing. Like it was nothing. We could always just find a flight somehow. Uh, ride spirit, ride spirit. <laughs> oh, shots fired. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's like stuff like that is like, so like with me being here, it's just kind of like, uh, it, like I said, it sucks that we can't see each other more. The, the whole COVID really showed me like I need to be my next spot. If I'm not like super close to my mom, like in driving distance, I need a valid airport. Anyone that, you know, I could always fly because if she's going to settle in Tampa, that's like she just wants to stay there. I'm like, all right, as long as I can get to Tampa, it doesn't matter where I am in the world. And she's the same way. She's like, well, I, you know, where, she keeps asking me, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? I'm like, well, I mean, why? She's like, well, I got to make sure I can get to you. I got to, you know, maybe I, instead of getting a job in Tampa, I'll get one in Atlanta or I'll get one in. Uh, she's like, if you want to go to LA, I guess I'll get something in Denver. Like she's trying to figure out where's the, or Houston, where's the halfway point to always be close to the family. And I, and that's, I, like, I understand that. So I guess your family being scared or like whatever concern, I get that, but it's like, but you know, LAX. LAX <laughs> is there. Awesome. I like, can get anywhere, yeah. And, <laughs> and like, um, I, in my head, anything, nothing is ever permanent. Like you could always kind of change your situation, do something about it, go somewhere else. Like being here, it, yeah, I, I told myself, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm coming here. I'm, I'm doing this thing for work. And then if I really don't want to be here, if I really need a change, um, I could always go home. I could always go somewhere else, try something new, um, whatever. So I think keeping that, that idea in my head, I can always go home, you know, nothing's permanent kind of has helped with that too of like moving all these every time there's a change I'm like well you know I don't know if I change my hair color well you know what you could just wear a wig girl you could just cut it off you could just dye it again I mean that's it really it's, it's it comes down to that like it, oh my god it's so devastating eh, in 10 years it's not going to be a big deal it's definitely a luxury. it'll just be something to happen it's definitely <laughs> a luxury women have to just throw a wig on like I was like yesterday years old when I found out about the wig game I was out here big enough. Oh yeah, man, her hair is amazing. It's like, you know, it's not her hair, right? I'm like, it's not. <laughs> like, <laughs> my I didn't know the wigs were that strong. We are getting more talented. And hey, don't wait, don't, 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 you know, just pull on the women. I'm seeing men now drawing on their hairlines. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, the, the Beijing. The, the wigs, yeah, yeah. The, they're no, I saw literally uh as an instagram this guy he like took a like eyeliner like a pencil and he drew like oh, oh, okay. and like shaded it a little bit i was like diy hairline like <laughs> listen but he was watching a female ma like makeup tutorial video he was like let me go get that let me get my baby hair to lay down in the front <laughs> he took some some pink I little luster <laughs> some luster i see beards i saw <laughs> something i saw a guy who also uh made he, I don't know what kind of like, it was like a wig cap. Like he glued the cap and then they like, like uh, they made like faux locks. So he had locks. I was like, so don't come for me. <laughs> and I my wigs I, or anything else. <laughs> listen, I'm not coming for y'all. Like that's a new phenomenon on the dude's side, right? It's like they really, and they really are doing some magician work. I've seen a dude go in bald and come out looking like Rastafarian. I've never seen, I'm like, this dude was bald. 
He looked like DMX. He came out looking like Busta Rhymes in like 1991. It was amazing how much they could do. But that's a new phenomenon for dudes. And usually they have the one style. Like, I'm just going to have the fake dreads. But that's my one wig. I didn't realize that y'all have pantries in your closet where you touch it like a, a book or a button and it opens up and it's like, this is my wig for lunch. This is my wig for dinner. This is my like workout wig. I was like, I didn't realize the wig game was so complex. I, I'm not there. I, I'm still working with wigs. Like my friend, um, she, she's very wiggy. She likes to wear lots of wigs and she, and she'll go drastic. Like it'll be like orange down to the hip. And the next one's like curly and red and like here. And I'm like, how? I have one that I use for a party. But I, I, I've been looking at others because there's just some days where I don't want to do this thing. Like I washed it just for you today. <laughs> we appreciate it. Thank you for giving us. Uh, any other, yeah. You know, any other day that we, uh, there's something else going on up here because it's. I always tell people if my hair is up in a puff, just know there was something happened that morning that was not going as planned, and we just had to. <laughs> Get it out. <laughs> you put you put you put it in the dresser. Let me just put this hair up. I'm not doing this today. Set it and forget it. You see? <laughs> that sounds like a, like an infomercial. Ladies, set it and forget it. It was um not the flavor wave. Isn't it was that the, the rotisserie? Thing. It was a rotisserie one. It was like <laughs> so you put it in, put it through the little skewers, put it on thirty, set it, and forget it. And they just started, <laughs> started plotting. And then there's an asterisk because it was like, no, please check on it like every 10 minutes to make yeah. sure. It's like also, it's, it's like also, it's not going to be done in 30 minutes. We're just doing an infomercial. Don't eat this meat and don't buy this product. <laughs> it's right. actually an easy bake oven light. That, that, wasn't that the ultimate hustle, the easy bake oven? Like people thought we was in here cooking for real. That was just a light inside of a box. And I was like, how are they making brownies? How's this thing even work? And it just and you had to use their easy bake food stuff because that's the only way. Because and now I think about it now, I'm like a lot of stuff. That stuff. Is, oh, add some water, mix it, put it in there, wait ten minutes, and all of a sudden there's a brownie. How? And it's like, yeah, because that mix has some stuff in it <laughs> that uh, can rise with a light bulb. Listen, <laughs> if, if we cooking under the lights, like if we look back on what that is now, it's like. We're going to get one of those commercials where they talk real low. Did you buy an Easy Bake Up in between 1991 and 2005? Yes. You may be entitled to yes. compensation. <laughs> that conversation, that interview, Me. is that is coming. You may be entitled to compensation. You also probably have mesothelioma. Is that where mesothelioma comes from, the Easy Bake Oven? Because those commercials were because, killing it. Yeah. I, yeah, I had an Easy Bake Oven once upon a time. I love that thing. I had the one that you had to like this long purple stick and like you'd have to push the little pans through. Like you're making a pizza, <laughs> like you're making a pan fried pizza. <sighs> oh man, that, <laughs> that brownie was so painstaking. I had to like open the wrapper and put like two tablespoons of water. It's just, I'm really baking right now, baby. As a kid, I really wanted to, uh, I would look in there, like try to see like how it's working. So yeah, now you find out it's just, it's just a light bulb. It's just cracking. But we've been beating around this the whole time about what you do for a living and where, that's what got this whole thing started. We talked about the easy bake oven. We talked about mesothelioma. 
you being entitled to compensation. So let's get to it. What is it that you're doing in Mississippi? And I kind of tell us about how that journey has been for you. Uh, so I'm a TV news reporter um, and general assignment. So it's just kind of like whatever's happening, that's what I get to cover as news. Um, a lot of it's, I mean, it's been weather, it's been crime, it's been politics, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, which is, I don't feel 100% confident on, but you know, it is what it is. You, sometimes they just kind of give you, they, um, the news team, you know, they'll brief me on some things and say, all right, go at it and, you know, interview the people, find the story. And that's what journalists do. We are kind of like, uh, I want to say jack of all trades in the sense that you got to know a little bit of everything. And what you don't know, you have to go ahead and find it and learn about it to be able to tell somebody else about, because that's what we do. We're supposed to be that in between of, hey, you know, the governor had a press conference for an hour. What the heck did he talk about for that hour? I have to tell you in about two minutes, you know, give you the the the, the gist of what he said in case you missed it or in case you didn't understand. Just give you a gist. And then you watch it on TV or you go online and you read the article and you watch the clip. Um, and back in the day, you had the reporter, you had the photographer, or the uh, videographer, whatever you want to call it. And you were a duo out there um, getting these news stories. Now, one man band is what we like to call it. I am the person running my camera. I am the person setting up these interviews. I'm the one looking for these stories. I come back. I listen to the interview. I break it down, write a script. I mean, everything you see is probably done like every news story that anyone watches is probably all put together by one person. If you're lucky enough to have someone else with you, I mean, or even live, even when I go live sometimes, it's not just like, it's usually just me like in front of this camera that I have set up and there's this like little backpack that helps us go live. It's like, I'm just standing alone somewhere. Um, unless it's like super unsafe and usually uh, we'll get some, some help, but the industry has moved into a way where they, it, it's just cost effective more than anything. Um, but, oh, I don't know who that is. I've been getting a lot of robocalls lately trying to oh, yeah. ask if I want to sell my house in oh. Florida. Um, and it's like, uh, who are you? And no, I don't want to <laughs> sell my house because now I want to know why you want to buy it. Oh, yeah. Because that means is. that my, yeah, my property is going to be worth something. So we're just going to leave it where it is yeah. <laughs> until hey. I think it's safe. We can offer you tip. We can offer you ten percent more. So you tell me it's worth thirty percent more. Is that what we're doing right now? No, I'm not selling you. Ridiculous. But yeah, they they're all, they've been calling and asking for things. But anyway, um, so yeah, so we. I have no money. Like, I don't. They call you. Do you have any sugar? Who is this? Is this a robot? <laughs> <laughs> That's so stupid. All right, sorry. Continue. So, uh, sometimes they, uh, sometimes they even call you and like say that the car and warranty and all that stuff. I, I hate scammers. Anyway, um, but yeah. So with work, um, that's that's mainly what I do. It's just every day is, is something different. I think. Let's see. Last week, I um, with what happened at the Capitol at the U.S. Capitol, I talked to some BLM like uh, organizers here, just kind of their reaction to what happened. How do they compare? Um, I guess the police reaction, whatever, things like that. Um, I also did 
a story about a planetarium that's been closed here for like two now it's 2021 so three years um and just kind of like what is the update with that so sometimes it's like a big story like oh they're changing the flag in mississippi it's snowing today whoa like there's a lot of big stuff and other times it's like all right city council meeting they're raising the two percent tax and you know and and for the most part it's good like it's i like that every day is different i like that every day i can start here at home and then i end up somewhere three hours away um talking about something and, and meeting people and being in some random towns and, and just places that I know without this job, I never would have gone to, never would have heard of. Um, and just kind of learning how other people live um, and just kind of like what their day-to-days are like. Um, so in that, in that regard, it's like, it's fun, but it is a very stressful job um, in general, like yeah. between what we cover, um, how much I have to do in a day. And even when I'm off, I almost kind of feel like, like I have dreams of like, oh God, you missed the meeting. Oh God, you, you didn't go to the interview, Chelsea. Do you have an idea for the two o'clock? Like I don't, <laughs> it's a lot. It's very, it's very, it consumes a lot out of me. Um, not to mention, so with my station specifically, some others others have done the same. We a lot of us started working from home. Uh, we have all the equipment to do it, honestly, pretty well. Like we, I can send every all the video back. Um, I have my news card, my equipment, so I can just go to the location I have to be. And then it's like if there's nothing I have to leave the house for, I'm just sitting in my living room working. Um, I like it. I like being home. Um, I'm not those kind of like some people. Are like oh god, I, they have to like. Like I, I laugh at my boyfriend all the time. He has to like put on his work clothes, even if he's working from home. He has to put on like work clothes, and then like when he when he's off the clock, you see. Honestly, like it's so funny. It's like all right, five six o'clock hits, the pants switch to gym shorts. He, I'm like, oh, you're off. Like <laughs> I'm not like that. I can. <laughs> That's like the Superman <laughs> thing, the Clark Kent. You walk, right, in, like... walk in a booth with the Daily Planet, take it off, and you got spandex on. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm just off work. Let me go save the day. I'm like, man. <laughs> so he so he has like, like like that but me i'm like as long as in in my head it's tv ready i am re- dressed from the hip up that's all people see at home anyway so like my sh- i have like my nice shirt maybe my hair is up whatever I, i'm ready to go in that aspect but i can i can work from home and it's nice however with like this is probably the only time that I, and I, this is talking to like journalists have been in it for 20 something years. This is the only time we've ever had to cover something that has lasted so long and that affects us directly. I'm sure there's, there've been other things, but COVID specifically is, and is like, I'm telling people to wear masks on TV, but I have to wear a mask too. I'm telling you, hey, you know, Kroger ran out of toilet paper. I can't get toilet paper either. Like we it this is one of those things where it's like everyone's hurt if i or everyone is is kind of tired and exhausted in in like i have i'm telling people hey mental health well my mental health like i'm 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 tired so um it's just it's that's the only thing and then we we started working from home like end of february march and we don't really i remember 
they were like trying to bring us back like June and then the cases were rising and things like that. And it was just like, oh no, like we can't, we have to just keep working from home. And now what we are in January, um, it's where, I mean, I highly doubt we'll be back in March, like full staff. It's just no way, like, for all of us to be back. I don't see that be vaccine and all, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of hope and stuff like that. But, like, I don't see us being back in the building. So it's, like, a whole year. And it's and it's for the best for many reasons, mainly just because, like, the, like, the outbreaks. We don't, you know, at work, our desks are too close. I, in what I do, I'm always around people. Right. I'm always at risk. You know what I mean? Like, if there's, if there's a protest down, downtown, I can't record it from my computer like, <laughs> i have to go he's like hey, yo fam can you back up six feet all right cool so this is it's like you gotta be a there. Oh, yeah and i try to like i do try to like like when i'm working on a story like i have my mask and i march i have my hands are so dry from sanitizer all that stuff and it's just kind of like it's just tiring because everybody like i'm very grateful to have been able to work a hundred percent um i mean I, I do these stories all the time about people not being able to work when everything was closing and things like that. Uh, Mississippi's closure wasn't as extreme as some other states, California, but- um, Whoa, a, don't, don't, don't say that too loud. It's gonna be the boogeyman's gonna come get you. I know, you can't but, even talk about um, it. but like, you know, I, so I, like I said, I'm grateful that I have been able to work despite everything that's going on because they do need us. And there are some news stations that had to let people go because they just didn't have the money um, to, or the sales or the ads or whatever to keep staff because of what's going on. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, I kind of wish there's just a time where I was able to just not, like, just not think about this stuff or not think about it, not read about it, not talk about it, not anything. And just kind of just, I don't know, whatever. Maybe I could have learned to knit and make some banana bread. I didn't have that time, that phenomenon where everybody was like discovering things. Like, oh my God, I'm going to sew. I'm going to set a garden. I'm going to a garden. I am so, I'm, I'm, I've been the same. Like I've just, I've been out there doing things, trying to still keep people informed while also like trying to watch TV and like read a book or just kind of find a way to zone out in between it all. So, we but talk, I, I, hmm? so, so we talked in the pre-show and I'm transitioning just because I think this is the easy segue. We've talked pre-show about what would be your next thing if it wasn't this thing, because like you said, you're in this cycle of make a story, do all the mixings, put it out the next day, you need another story and you're doing, so you're on the hamster wheel in a weird way where a lot of people are at home wishing to be working you're working and it's like you're in a pressure cooker because even when you're not like working you see the news stuff is happening so you know i may have to report on that tomorrow when i am working so it's like even your off day you're still kind of on and so we were talking about what you could possibly do if you weren't doing this and i wanted to like give you a platform to talk about that so i think that i there's a lot of um I've been, and this was for a while, I was kind of thinking of what else can my skills translate to, right? Um, and I've, and I, you know, I'm, 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 I use social media like most people. I'm more of a lurker than I am a poster. Um, That's so creepy. And I've looked at, 
Why'd you say that? Just like because you know what it is. It's like, I, okay, Instagram. If you look at my Instagram, my last post is maybe from December, but the, what before that was October. But I see what everybody else is doing. I'm watching your stories. I'm liking your uh, pictures. I see your tweets. You know what I mean? Like, I feel I'm, like I'm here. I feel like you should be in jail for what you just said. This is this is incrimination. You're like one of those rappers. Yeah, so drugs. But like, um, don't do that. Like, they could throw you in jail for your words. Like, you're like, yeah, I was lurking. I may have been low key Facebook stalking, but you know, I'm giving y'all the news. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, it doesn't make it better. I mean, you know, I just I I, I consume the the content as much as anybody else. So when I I look at that stuff and I'm or. And my boyfriend hates this too. It's like, I will watch something and I'll be like, oh, did you see how he edited that? Oh, why did they use that transition? Oh my gosh, it's lighting. Oh, those colors don't work. Because I'm always in that like, like video content creation mode. So with all that, I kind of see like, maybe I could be like somebody's social media marketing, like assistant or something or, or lead or like in, I don't really understand marketing per se. I do understand what's captivating. I know uh, like content wise. So it's like, maybe I just could be, you know, like, oh, well you need content. I can make it for you. You just gotta tell me what you want. Right. Or sometimes I think of like maybe being a public relations communication specialist. Uh, a lot of schools, hospitals uh, need that um, like, government buildings like say a mayor's office or uh public works or there's a lot of different departments that need stuff like that um and just kind of being uh i i think just kind of um being able to create without the pressures that television broadcast news has sure. um we we have to make so much in a day we have to meet so many deadlines I think just kind of being able to breathe, like if I could have someone, even if they just told me, hey, can you make me like a two minute clip of uh, so-and-so making a pizza for the that pizza shop down the street? I just need it by Friday. And I'm looking at it's like Monday. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll have it done before the sun's down. And it and if it, you don't like it, we're gonna keep looking at it until Friday and it's gonna be great. Like I, I've learned all those things. I just want to be able to, I don't know, just kind of be find a more creative outlet and just kind of look for a work-life balance. That's something that there's a lot of things I've learned in the pandemic with all the work is that um, I want to be able to just kind of like, oh, when, you know, it's five o'clock. All right, clock off. It's over. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's it. You take off your pants and put on the gym shorts kind of thing. So I want to get into something like that and just kind of, um, yeah, just find something more creative to do. I feel like worst case scenario, I can find my way back to, to news. They always need somebody. It's not like I, I, you know, I mean, like I'm just kind of taking advantage of that. Everything's lining up for me to leave right now. So given what you want to do and given what the climate is, everybody's more online now, right? There's not as many content creators as there are people like you lurking, being creepy on social platforms. <laughs> So given how many people are trying to monetize social media, is there like a website? Is there like a freelancing kind of joint where you can team up with these content creators? Because a lot of them have good ideas, 
but aren't necessarily great editors. They're just like people like, oh, all right, all right, I got a good idea. All right, me and my girlfriend are quarantining and we're having an argument, but we can't leave because we're in a one bedroom apartment. Can you do something with that? And you're like, yeah, and that's actually a good concept. Just steal it if you want to. But <laughs> it's like, I'm so mad. You go to your corner, you guys just stand there like this, but you can't go anywhere. It's like, go outside while well, it's snowing. All right, well, but they gave, they gave you the idea and they said, you know, can you do something with it? I feel like, is there a way to marry those two because they want, since everybody's creating content or trying to, the best ones stand out or the most creative ones stand out because since we're all trying to do it, right? Is there like a way to kind of let people know, hey, I got the skill set for it or is it a per video basis? Is it like a, I don't know, I don't know how you would go about actualizing this idea, but I think it's an easy one because I know a couple of content creator type people and they make a lot of money doing stuff, but they have a whole team. But there are people who are below them who want to get to their level and don't have the resources yet. And maybe you could be a resource. I think it's how to find those people. I think it, it is different ways. Like there are like, I think things called Fiverr, Fiverr. There's a lot oh, yeah, of freelance websites out there. Yeah. There we go. There's a lot of freelance websites that are looking for people who can make content uh, whether it's writing and editing, whatever, they need somebody. And that's one place to look. I think another thing too, and I got to get better at that, is when I see that someone could use something that I do is kind of like reach out to them, be like, hey, you know, I could do this and that for you and then try to sell myself that way. Um, and I think that's that's what it is. Another thing too is I feel like a lot of times with content creators, they want to learn how to do it themselves and because you can sure. it's a lot it's a lot and it will take time to learn to the to the skill set of someone who is like formally trained you know or find the right shortcuts because now there's an app for everything but um i don't know i feel like i, I that's what i would do it's like a like a fiber 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 like kind of website um maybe reaching out to people where it's like, hmm, have you thought of doing this? Or have you, what kind of editing do you use? Like just kind of put in those questions, those feelers, and then um, just kind of hope that they are cool with that. I'm still, I, I think I'm, how old am I? I'm 26. So yes, I've spent over 10 years starting my YouTube channel. Oof. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, like, you you know put it out there. 12, when I was 12 or 13, you know, everybody was on YouTube in like 2007, 2008. So I was super like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do that. Like, I want to make stuff. What the heck? I can't think of something to do. Like, I have ideas and then I either see someone else do it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. Or I want to figure out how I'm going to stand out, how I'm going to be special, blah, blah, blah. And I just haven't done it. I don't know. And it's so, and it's so goofy because like, I, like, I don't know, like, let's, let's say I eat something really good. And I'm like, Oh my God, this food is so good. Blah, blah. My friends are like, why don't you be a food critic? Why don't you make videos about, I'm like, but everyone's doing that. Like, I, that's what do I do? That's different. Is it just different because it's me? Like, you know, I mean, I think at this point people are buying the creator more than a content. And it sounds mm. like your idea is like a little bit of everything. And that could really be the idea of the channel. You don't have, it's like Seinfeld. It's a show about nothing, but it was a show about everything at the same time. Like this is me, this is a podcast channel about everything, but also 
nothing in particular. It's like, this is my food review. This is my editing kind of review. This is my hair tutorial. This is my, you know, home for the holidays with Hispanics. This is like, there's all the, all the things that you have some hand in. It says your job now requires you to know a little bit about everything. It seems like a natural thinking pattern because you've already been doing that. And because I think the issue is you're trying to settle in on one thing and your brain inherently wants to do a lot more than one thing. And that's why yeah. you're kind of getting it to. So I would just, like I tell everybody who comes on the pod, just start doing it and then let it go where it goes. This podcast started as a straight up therapy podcast. Like, I don't like my boyfriend and I just feel like for me. That's how, <laughs> that's how I started. And it was like, let's talk it through. We still have to do that sometimes it's progressed into more about helping and the community coming together and putting ideas out and habits, routines, personal growth. That's where it's evolved into. And there's still the elements of the original part, but I came on this thinking I was going to be like hitch on a podcast essentially. And that's kind of where it was for like the first 40 episodes. We're now at episode like 110. That was a long Mm. time ago. We, but it naturally moved that way. I had guests on and they wanted to talk about their careers and their passions. And I feel like that's where this is going to go and kind of keep evolving. I had to just get started. Get Got a microphone. Got a sexy mic. Look at this mic. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I got, got a sexy mic, got a ring light, all that good stuff. And just said, let's just start making content. And the audience who wants it will find it. That's how everything works. You start anything, every, every YouTube person started with something an audience latched onto it they reposted it this person kept creating and those that marriage grew and the more dope the content was the bigger they became and the bigger they became the more they started feeding their audience hey what do you guys want me to do well you've been doing a lot of hair tutorials but what about the guys we don't wear wigs as much and he's like, all right let me do something for the fellas and then you now you're servicing your audience and then you do your patreon and you get your advertisements and that's how you monetize all the stuff but just get started. Put deadlines on yourself the way you have deadlines for your job. Be like, all right, I'm going to post one video a week, whatever it is. It doesn't have to have a time limit. It could be a two minute video. It can be you know, a 15 minute video. Depends on how you want to live it. Set boundaries for yourself and then be accountable to yourself. That's really, and then you do that every week until you decide you don't want to be on YouTube anymore. That's the simple. That right. That's as simple as I can make it. Now you can make it, but what if my editing and my, you can do all that other stuff. The basic thing is set a deadline, be accountable to yourself, and then just do it weekly. That's it. Everything else is minutia. Everything else is life. Everything else is excuses. Because you, as you said, you can edit a video that goes out to the public in three hours. That has to be professional, this and that. If it's you and your house, you can probably put a video together an hour, maybe an hour and a half, if you're just servicing your audience. So it's 168 hours in a week. Can you take one or two to put something out to the people? I mean, hey, who am I? I'm just a guy on the podcast. That's I it. just don't like that you're right. And I've heard <laughs> this and I just. No one, does. no one likes when I'm right. <laughs> I feel like, you know, and you know, it's funny. This is the kind of stuff I say to, um, well, did it? Okay, we're good. Anyway, it let slow down for a second. But anyway, um, this is the kind of stuff I say to my friends. So like, I have a friend, she has a podcast. Hers is all about uh, anime. 
anime. And, oh, we uh, got to link up because we I have an anime podcast, the Coolest Nerds You Ever Met podcast. Check us out on all DSPs, Spotify, Amazon, Amazon. You know where we're at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, story. yeah. So Destiny, my her friend, my friend's name is Destiny, and hers is getting animated. And she started this whole thing where, um, I mean, her. It's not a huge part of her brand, but she is a black girl who likes anime, nerd stuff, whatever. Um, and that's kind of part of her her brand, her push. She first started it like maybe two, three years ago. And she, um, like every time she's kind of like, oh, or I don't know, I'm not sure, whatever. I'm always there like, ah, do it, go ahead. Or what does this look, or she'll like ask her opinions. I mean, she has organically grown her podcast. I mean, it's not even just a podcast now, it's like, her Instagram is like at some like at least 20, 30,000 uh, followers. She works with, uh, she helps do stuff with Crunchyroll, which is a big, um, I think, distributor of anime, something like yeah, that. I'm, yeah. I'm not it's like it's, it's like a house. Other than, Sailor, yeah. other than Sailor Moon, I don't know what's going on over there. But Oof. I try to give her, <laughs> I try to give her help. In, <laughs> <laughs> I try to give her help in the world of like, um just the editing and putting things out there and just kind of that motivator and i tell her all the time or like when she were when we were like young and applying for jobs it would be something like oh girl they want 10 years of experience i'm like okay well we've been here on earth for 20 years so are you still lying on your resume is that what you're are you advocating on this public platform to lie on your resume no no not even that what i've been telling her is just kind of like don't like you can't put the, let them reject you. Like, don't put, you know, you can't be mad that you don't get a job if you didn't apply. Like, just put it out there. I was like, worst case, I was like, worst case scenario, you don't get it. You didn't have enough qualifications. Oh dear. I mean, how many jobs (laughs) have we thought that we actually were going to get and didn't get? So, so it's like, I always tell, I I don't know. So yeah. So that's why you saying, Oh, just got to start it. Shut up. I know. Okay. I know. I (laughs) I told my friend to just start it and she did and she's doing great. So whatever. I've never been told to shut up on my own podcast before. It's like coming to somebody else's house and being like, yo, what's in the fridge? I'm like, hold up fam. You don't live here. You can't disrespect the house. You in there pulling out ham and bread. I'm about to make me a sandwich. I'm like, you don't live here. But I understand what you said. This is, first of all, we need to. I need we need to link up with uh, your friends for our podcast because I have it's myself and two other black guys, and we're the coolest nerds. We're all three personal trainers. We're all in good shape. Marvin and me both play football. Raph is a martial artist, and we're talking about not Sailor Moon because they don't have new episodes, but other podcasts and I'm sorry, other animes. And our whole thing is with three black dudes talking about anime stuff, and that's kind of our angle. But we've only been at it for like 10 months. So we're still new in the game. But we have merch and we're, we're growing. But again, it's like we're just now taking the video editing up a little bit. We have we've been doing a lot of Zoom. We were doing it in person before, obviously. And so we're adding little elements to make it more diverse, theme music, all that good stuff. But that's the thing. It's just slowly but surely growing. We have I think our we have one episode that has like 170 views or something, which is dope because we're still like in our infancy, but like you told her and like, I'm telling you, like you should tell you when you look in the mirror, hey, let's just do something. What's my next off day? Okay, Thursday. Guess what I'm doing Thursday? You guessed it, I'm making content. For who? This person. 
eh for the American people. And so I'm playing But let me fire. ask. All right. So so you have this podcast, you have that other podcast, and mm-hmm. I, I know you still do comedy and stuff like that. Do you comedy. ever this Friday? Friday's funnies, check us out. <laughs> We're plugging everything right now. So when you so when you do these so don't you feel like you're doing too many projects like do you ever feel Mm -hmm. like is it do you start one thing and really push that up before you pick up something else or do you just kind of like if the idea sparks go ahead and start it and even though you have other things going on they're compartmentalized so every so like my virtual shows are bi-weekly so the week of the show that gets a lot more of my attention and especially the two or three days around it that's when you're doing the last minute reach outs, making sure your talent is going to be there on time, all that good stuff. Once the show's over, the next week, I basically put that on ice. I don't like think about it too much. I'm booking my shows more in advance now, so I don't have to worry about like having a lineup, but that's chilling for that. The podcast days are the days I do the podcast. So we're doing this now. This won't air until probably Wednesday. And I have one later today that won't air for a week but my production quality on this is very limited we're on zoom we have the mic on my uh garage band i put the intro music on run it straight to apple and then the rss feed puts it everywhere so i don't have to do as much really the hardest thing is scheduling an interview and then doing it the rest of it is i'm not this isn't like a video creation so in this regard this is pretty easy the anime pie is a little bit more involved because two other people and we have different segments and we have to like, but even that's maybe two hours of my week. There's really not that much time involvement. I spend most of my time creating other stuff. Like I've been writing scripts and stuff during this time. And so I would write daily, but I'm thinking about the script constantly. So that would, but there are some days where I'll be in a groove writing and that would just take over. And I'm like, I'm writing for two hours, whatever. And so the whole thing is I don't want to be stretched too thin. Everything I'm doing, is ideally pushing in the same direction. Like my comedy shows are an extension of me, my comedy, and the way I want to empower people on a podcast, I want to do that for the comedy shows. I want to bring people who you don't know to a platform where people can see them and be like, hey, this person is really talented, the same way people who follow me probably don't follow you. They go, oh, I like her. I'm wait, I look forward to following her YouTube channel. So it's like the idea is the same. So even though they're different tasks, they all go to the same direction. Even my merch line, this is merchandise I'm wearing right now. I'm not bragging. It just is what it is. So <laughs> it's all a brand. It's all like a philosophy. This isn't for me necessarily. I'm a, you know, a conduit to the people. I want to, people tend to want to work with me and be around my space because of my personality type, not because I'm like have a bunch of money, whatever. It's just like, I'm an easy person to work with. And so I have a, you know, procured a lot of talent from a lot of different venues and places and people who are just like, yeah, I'll do a pot with you or yeah, I'll hop on your show. And, and we're just pushing all that forward. And my belief is that at some point, one or two of these is going to push through. And then once one pushes through, that becomes priority. And then you put the most of my attention and this is how the military works. You put the most amount of attention in whatever the first most pressing matter is. And then you go down the list of things that are more important. So my comedy show, because there's more moving parts, always gets more attention than my podcast do, because I got six or seven performers, tickets to sell. That's way more energy. 
and then you just go down what requires less and less and less and that's how you kind of manage your time so you don't get overwhelmed and don't stress out too much makes sense i like i said i just kind of i wonder because everybody kind of usually that's described like a juggling app like oh you got to do it all at one time and but um com compartmentalizing i have to slow it down and say it Sorry. uh does does make sense in in, in that regard <laughs> and they and listen they all grew at or organically different times this podcast is like four years old so i've been doing our favorite podcast for a minute so that this has a rhythm that's why when we discussed it before you're like what are the questions and all that i'm like don't worry about it it's going to flow because now i have you know 70 80 other episodes to lean on experience wise i know I can sit down with someone, not even really know what they do. And once we start talking, my brain will give us questions or give us direction. And then we'll, I'll feed off of them. And then we'll go and we'll be like 40 minutes in, like, dude, we haven't talked about anything yet, but it's, it's good. The content is good. So this came first. And then the anime pie came second. And then the comedy shows came out of necessity for COVID. But then once things open back up, the virtual shows will probably go away. And I'll go back to real life shows which are only once a month in person. And so that requires even less effort than the virtual one does bi-weekly. So yes, these are, when I tell you what I'm doing, I mean, you got a lot of things going on. It's like, yeah, but adding one, I took some stuff away. Like I don't, I'm not at the gym for eight to 10 hours a day. So I have more time. I have my private clients, but maybe I have three or four clients a day. And you know, that's maybe even with commuting five hours as opposed to eight to 10. So I have more hours to do more things. And these are all things that I think at some point will pay off for my creativity and my whatever. Are you still getting seven to eight hours of sleep? Or are you one of those that got to start at 5 a.m.? Nah, I've never been a good- most out of my day. I've never, I never been a good sleeper, even when I was a kid. I'm a, I'm a restless sleeper because my brain works mostly at night. And also comedy is, comedy is at night. So I think my brain, I'll do a set at 9, 10, 11 and go home and be rehearsing the set, trying to figure out ways to make it better. But now it's like midnight, one in the morning. I'm like, I got to change that opening or punch that joke up or speed up, whatever. I'm doing that part of it. When I should be like, whoo, long day, time to go to bed. I'm like, I got to make that joke better because I want to get more laughs. And then next thing you know, it's two in the morning. I'm tossing and turning. I don't get as much, as much sleep as I want to. And it's like seven in the morning and I'm up again. And the process repeats itself. I almost never get eight hours of sleep. But what are you gonna do? I mean, you're still well, you're doing something while you're up, then that's better I'm than moving. nothing. No, I'm moving, baby. It's like, hey, I'm I'm over here now, then I'm over here. Guess what? I'm over here now. Like I'm I've even later today, I have another pot later today, but I'm trying, well, not even trying, I'm gonna speak it into more concrete talk. I'm setting up a gym situation at my house. I have a bunch of equipment, but I don't have a gym setup. I don't have enough, mm -hmm. I don't have enough free weights to do what I want to do. So I've been making do with what I have, which is still okay comparatively. But I'm like taking the pot to the next level, taking my comedy shows to the next level. Fitness wise, I've been very stagnant, which is okay by most standards because I'm a trainer. So I'm already in good shape. I've been maintaining, but I haven't grown. I'm not faster. I'm not stronger. I'm not leaner than I was pre-COVID. So how do I take it up a notch? Well, I'm not gonna pay a gym 200 a month when I was doing gyms for free. That's an extra expenditure that I don't wanna like add to my life already. 
and I have a little balcony here so I can if that we don't put chairs in it's just a balcony it's just chilling so wait I can put mm -hmm. stuff out there so now it's about what's most efficient for the space uh, what equipment has the most utility because now it's the trainer brain kind of coming together and then let's price everything out which is where I am now and now it's finding the finding the equipment because they've been price gouged to heaven and it's kind of crazy but I think mm -hmm. I I think I have it priced out I think I have locations and so this is my goal is within the next week to two weeks because time limits work for people to have this set up to where I fall and do a good workout I don't have to worry about when the gym's gonna open up or when or what I can make shift I don't have to make shift I have this stuff set up for myself that's where that's what I'm doing later so yeah you're always pushing forward you're always trying to get better and getting better is incremental this is what I think uh, if you don't put enough put enough emphasis on getting better is incremental it's literally one percent a day it's literally one activity a day it's one habit it's little things that go a long way and if you employ enough of these habits, you employ enough of these good strategies, you improve a little bit over, think about improving in one thing a day for a month. That's 30 things worth of improvement, 30 days worth of improvement. If you say, I'm gonna read a book every day, I read every day, that's part of my routine. And it used to be, oh man, I forgot to read. And it was like me at 11.59, like, <laughs> trying to, <laughs> try to get try to get some pages in. Now it's part of my morning routine, wake up, wash my face, listen to my meditation, devotional stuff. Then I read, then I make breakfast. So by the time I finish eating breakfast, I've already done three or four things to get me on the path to a good day. It's like nine o'clock, but I've already read for the day. So now I'm like, I'm clear. I'm not worrying about, can I get reading in later in the day? I got that out of the way. I have other tasks to do, but let me knock that out. And that's a much better morning routine than wanting to read every day, kind of forgetting about it, and then trying to fit it in when you're getting ready for bed, dinner, you know, maybe you have a night out or whatever. It was just way too much stress. I had to change my routine to make it more feasible to my day. Routine. I need that. Because, <laughs> like, I'm pretty, it's, it's so funny. Like, my, so work is all time management. That's literally what runs my job. Like, I'm constantly, even working from home, I'm like, okay, if that's, if, like this event is at such and such place that's two hours from where I live. So I need to be there by this time. And when I get there, it's probably going to last this much time. And, you know, I have to have everything in 630 because if I'm not at my desk with my computer by 630, I am screwed for the rest of the day. Like I have all that lined up, but then <laughs> personal life, I'm just kind of like, good night. Like <laughs> I don't have, I don't, the time management is like, I, it's not like I'm bad with time management. It's just, I don't do enough of that with my own life, especially with, um, like you said, like, like reading, I have all these books. I ha that's, that's like a guilty pleasure of mine is buying used books or just buying books and then just looking at them because I'm not going to read it or I start reading and then get halfway and then something happens where I lose interest. Um, and it's, it's not even just reading. It's just different like uh, rooms for, I, I feel like I don't have time for my hobbies, which is so stupid. Cause it's like, if it's a hobby, you should just always find or feel like you can or want to. And, um, but instead it's like when I'm not working for the most part, one to get myself out of bed is like another, like I wake up, but I don't actually get up until like 
maybe three hours later or until like my bladder's like all right girl <laughs> gotta get up and brush these teeth so um and it's like that's that's time wasted like if I would find a way to to kind of reorganize like I said like you said out of routine or, or manage my time better then I could get more done in my day but by the time I like motivate myself to do something whatever that something is for the day it's already like four o'clock <laughs> And the sun's coming down, and it's time for me to get back in that bed I couldn't get up from. Well, look, we're going to wrap up the recording. We can keep talking off air, but I want to wrap the recording up because we're at our limit now. But where can people find you on? Well, you're not even on social media, so I can't even where can they find you. Where can you find other people to stalk? Like, where can people follow your YouTube journey, or if people want to like I, see more of you? Okay, well, um, I I have nothing on you. So I'm not going to put that out there, but I am on Instagram. So WTH Chelsea, of course. Um, and yeah, I guess that's it. That's the best place to find me, you know. <laughs> that's the best place for you if to I, find her. I, <laughs> she's not going to be on If I ever anymore. actually get out there, if, whenever I actually put myself out there and make things and stuff, it will probably be Instagram first because, you know, right. that's where we're all using right now. Right. Of course. Okay. okay. Well, look, Chelsea, this has been amazing. We're going to continue a little bit about some habits and stuff off air because they've already heard me say on the pod, so no need to regurgitate. But thank you guys for tuning in. Last time we did an episode, I told you I wanted to have a set day to post these. I put that out to my listeners. The day is going to be Wednesdays because it's right in the middle of the week. I think hump day is just funny, and I'm a comic. And so I'm going to go with the comic angle on this. Right in the middle of your week, the week may have started off a little crazy. You come Wednesday you get in a pot. All right. I'm setting that for myself. And if I don't do it, then you guys can hold me accountable, but I'm going to do it because that's what I said I'm going to do. So we will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Chelsea, thank you for being yourself. Uh, I thought you were great. Even though I know you were a little bit nervous, uh, they're going to enjoy you and we will see you guys next time. Deuces. <laughs>